welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So good. We are in our health series. Um, we're six weeks in. We've got four weeks to go. I'm super excited. This will be our last main week of teaching. And then we're going to really look at the last four weeks of doing practical tools, how it's outworked, how we get to put it on display Um, how we get to grow in certain areas practically and actively and demonstrate the unity and the love and the understanding and the revelation that we've all been receiving over this last six weeks. The health series, the goal is that we think, live and love like Jesus. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 has been our passage. It's our um, prayer um, that you guys have been delving into these scriptures on your own and asking the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to guide you into the truth of this passage. Um, there's so much in it. Um, so I encourage you, if you haven't done that, read Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 in the New Living Translation and allow him to highlight, illuminate and reveal the things that he wants to show you. I'm going to read this scripture and then we're going to launch into today's message on love. Ephesians 4, 16, uh, 4, 11 to 16, New Living Translation. This is our main passage for thinking, living and loving like Jesus. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, which we spoke about last week. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, verse 15, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, his church. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing and full of love. Come on. I tell you what, if that church, uh, the church that uh, is living out Ephesians 4.16 is the church that heaven is coming to earth through. It is the church that people are murmuring about how good and amazing the people are. How miraculous and how wild the things that are happening, the testimonies, people stunned and in awe of a God they weren't sure was real, but because the church took on this and embraced it, they started to and began to live, think and love like Jesus. This is the goal. Um, So that's been our heart um, to really convey this message and, and I won't do much recap I'll do a little bit of recap from last week, which was about unity. Peter really launched us into unity, which was amazing. He spoke a lot about diversity and valuing what we all bring to the table. 
um, and it's a real intentional journey of, uh, of choosing love and choosing connection and, and choosing unity and choosing the Lord and choosing to go back to him and allow him to change our hearts so that we see people the way he does. Um, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians, um, um, a little bit of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For one by one spirit, we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And he went on to say, if the whole um, body was just an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Really highlighting the point that we're all, all the different uniqueness and the, and the diversity and the, and the differences all come together to form one body as each part does its own special work. The whole body uh, benefits from it. And there was a really important verse um, in verse 25 and 26 that we looked at as well. Um, And Paul says this in that verse, in the Passion Translation, um, talking about how he put the body together and chose um, all of us to be unique. He says, he has done this intentionally, talking about God. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the other members with mutual concern. And so that there would be no division in the body. Unity is the goal, remember. Verse 26, in that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all of us. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honoured, then everyone rejoices. This unity deal is such a big deal. And we spoke about Ephesians 4.13 last week, which says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we might be mature in the Lord and measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow. Some big stuff. How long will this continue? How long will diversity be required in the church? How long will the fivefold operate? How, how long will um, these five functions, um, which are meant to create unity, how long will they keep going for? How long will this continue until there's unity, until there's maturity, until there's experiencing Jesus to the height that we can experience him and until we measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ? Wow, it's big, it's massive, it's enormous. And then the final verse of 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body and all the parts working together, Paul says this incredible um, statement. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, the second part of that verse, he says this, And now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comprehension. So Paul taught on the body and how there are different parts that must each work together. All the parts working all together. He said diversity is required. He makes huge points about the importance of coming together, valuing each other, celebrating each other's uniqueness. But then he says, guys, now I'm going to show you a more superior way that is beyond comprehension. And I likened it to the Ephesians 4.13 statement that says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ And hey, guys, I'm going to show you a greater way to live, a more superior way to live, um, which is beyond comprehension. And I really see these two linked together. Ephesians 4.13 and 1 Corinthians 12.31b. A superior way to live and measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is thinking, living and loving like Jesus. So we've been speaking about unity, diversity, and now we're talking about love. That superior way that Paul was referencing in 1 Corinthians 12 
was love. And it launched us into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is what we know the chapter of love. And I want to read a little bit about that. I read a few verses last week, but I want us to um, uh, highlight this today. um, And then we're going to talk about love for the remaining 25 minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3 in the Passion Translation. We're talking about love. I really believe that unity is the fruit of love. If I were to speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Verse 3. And if I were to be so generous to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr with the pure motive Without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. It's huge. It's massive. What an enormous statement. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the final verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In a Passion Translation. Until then, that's Jesus coming back and us being reunited with him and seeing him. So this is until then, this is now on earth, until then, this is earth, this is earth time. Paul says, until then, summing up the whole chapter 13, until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, it's massive, so above all else. Let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Whoa. Jeez, I just want to pray into that. God, let this be. Let love be the beautiful prize in which we run. Yeah, Jesus. Let love overwhelm, overtake, immerse, overshadow. Yeah, yeah, upgrades in love, I declare right now in the name of Jesus. God, we want love to be fresh. We don't want this love word to become familiar in our hearts and minds. We don't want, yeah, 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 love, it's important. We don't, we don't want that. Every 90% of all songs are about love. Like we just, we, we become so immune to the word love. I love that ice cream. I love that band. I love that T-shirt. Wow, isn't that T-shirt amazing? I love your new haircut. Let's not become immune to the word love um, and really understand that this is the foundational truth of who God is because he is love. Jesus is love. Holy Spirit is love. Do they love? Yes, but the more powerful truth is they are love. Wow. The very next verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Paul continues it into teaching about the spiritual gifts, but he starts all the spiritual gifts language with this. 1 Corinthians 14.1, let love be your highest goal. Jesus came to put on display what love looked like. Love has a name. 
Love has a face. Love has a standard. Love has a model. Love has an example. And Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the model. And Jesus is the example. When we want to know what love looks like, we look in the face of Jesus. Love looks like something and it looks like Jesus. Paul said, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. The goal is that we would grow in diversity and celebrating others' uniqueness and celebrating the different functions and thinking and ways of living so that unity is produced and so that we can become mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And there is a superior way to live, Paul said, that is beyond comprehension, and that is the way of love. We are now not under the law. We are under the law of love. And Paul said, Jesus is the example, the model and the standard. He's the one that we follow. Whenever we want to know what love looks like, it's the son, Jesus, who displayed what the father was like. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Strong statements, but we need strong statements. We need a sure statement. We need a rock, a solid footing under our feet. We can't be, I wonder if that's the way or if there's another way or if it's just all about that. No, no. The foundation is love. These three things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. How's this? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Check that out. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What are we talking about? We're talking about unity. We're talking about oneness. The Bible says that when there's unity, God commands a blessing. Ephesians says that when there's unity, the church is going to be healthy, growing and full of love. And if that's happening, heaven is coming to earth. It's about unity. It's about oneness. And it's possible. Let love be our highest goal. The fruit of love is unity. How's your unity? How's your oneness? We might actually be better off asking, how's your love? Are you keeping your love on? Have you learned how to love? Have you experienced his love? Because you can only give what you have received. It's legal and it's right and it's true that you've received the love of God, but have you experienced it? Has it changed you? Has it transformed you unto you giving it away? The, the true fruit, the true evidence of being transformed by love is that we can actually give it away and love others really well. I want to read you a massive New Testament statement scripture game changer that's changed the whole um, lens of how we see the father and the godhead and it's massive because the old testament we know there was 10 commandments the disciples asked jesus hey what's the greatest commandments and i believe it's matthew 22 37 to 39 and jesus said hey it's simple these are the greatest. Uh, th these, are the, these are the two most important commandments to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But isn't it interesting that in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus drops a bomb. And he almost says, you know what? The 10's great, 
The two that I've highlighted is great, but this actually trumps all of that. Because Jesus, out of his own mouth, said, a new command I give you. So he's just said, 10's great, two's great, still all true, haven't abolished them, but I'm lifting the level. I'm bringing up the standard, and this is the new standard, and I'm creating a new commandment. Wow. Jesus created a new commandment. And here it is, John 13, 34 to 35, verse 34. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. Verse 35, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my followers. I'm going to read that again. Let this sink in as you read it and hear it. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. Verse 35, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, so much in this, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Question, can you keep your love on when you come across people who think differently, speak differently, post differently and live differently? This statement by Jesus of a new commandment trumps trumps everything around commandments in the Old Testament and New Testament. Here Jesus changes the game, a new commandment I give you. The new in this is massive. The new in this is massive. But there are some more parts to this two verses, these two verses that are as important as the word new. The new is enormous because it's bringing something in that wasn't already there, new. A new commandment. This commandment was not there prior to Jesus saying it. And then he backed it up with the cross and everything, as we know, has now changed. He lived the life and demonstrated what was possible for a person in right relationship to live like. But check out what's also in here. He says, a new commandment I give you to love each other as I have loved you. Not just love according to a humanistic point of view, as 1 Corinthians says about that we no longer see people according to a a limited human perspective. Before that verse it says, let love compel us. The love of God controls us, Paul said. So now we don't see people according to a limited human perspective. But this is a really big deal that Jesus said, hey, I don't want you to just love with your ability to love. I want you guys to love exactly the same way that I have loved you. I mean, this is mind blowing. We're talking about the God of love who is love, who has poured his love into our hearts. Jesus is saying, guys, the new commandment, this isn't an idea. This isn't the great suggestion. This is a new commandment I give you. To, to, to love each other just as much as I have loved you. Just reading it, it seems impossible. It seems, it seems like that's... How the heck do we do that, God? And we could preach on four sermons on experiencing the love of God, and that's all part of this. But man, what a challenge. And then it says in verse 35... When we demonstrate this, 
So the requirement is that it's demonstrated, not just passively observed, but actually put on display because love looks like something. If we do that, if we demonstrate the love and not only a normal, natural human love, but the love that he loved us with in the same way, demonstrate it, receive his love, then start to love others the same way that he loved us, which is like enormous God love, agape love. When we start to do that, to demonstrate that kind of love, then everyone will know that we are his followers. So if we only um, demonstrate a human, uh, natural, normal, neutral, average kind of love, then everyone's not going to know that we're his disciples. It's only when we experience his love and then start to be transformed by his presence and by his love and are being perfected in love that we actually learn and realize and know how to put that love on display. It's massive. We want to think, live and love like Jesus. This is such a big deal. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, which is to love people just like he loved us. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ is loving people the way that he loves us. Not loving people according to how we love, but loving people according to the way that he loves. Come on now. I want to look at 1 John chapter 4 just to make this point um, of how important love is. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 to 21. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Verse 21. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. I'm going to read that again. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? Verse 21, and he's given us this command, again a command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. You might say hate's a strong word. Can we look at that word in the Greek? Hate in the Greek is probably not what you think it means. We often say, don't use the word hate, it's too strong. I dislike greatly. I remember growing up. I dislike greatly. Jesus was okay. The disciples were okay with using the word hate. And this is what hate means in the Greek. This is what they meant when they used the word hate. So remember, John, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. Okay, We're talking about loving like Jesus has loved us. Hate in the Greek, this is what it means. To love someone or something less than someone or something else. Say that again. Hate in the Greek means to love someone or something less 
than someone or something else. To renounce one's choice in favour of another. Simply put, hate in the Greek language, which was used in here, in this chapter, in this verse, means that you pick sides. It means that you categorise. It means that you view relationships and scenarios and situations and you turn and shut off love. It's to categorise, it's to pick sides, it's to show favouritism and it's to shut off love. That's what hate means, that you pick sides where you withhold love, where you identify and categorise people and situations and circumstances and choose to withhold love. You don't have your love on, you withhold love and that actually is the Greek meaning of hate, of not allowing love out towards everyone. That is a really, really big deal. And this is what we do when we are confronted with people who think and see different to us. We do it all the time. My hand is up really high. I do it all the time. You do it all the time. We turn love off and on like a tap. We choose where our love goes and where it doesn't. And that is the difference between love and hate. We do this with those that we disagree with. When we withhold love from the people we disagree with, when we withdraw, when we choose to disconnect, when we choose distance and avoiding and get defensive and allow all the yuck and all the stuff to go through our minds and speculation and judgment and resentment and bitterness and frustration and anger and jealousy and envy and unforgiveness and all those things, we are actually operating in hate. And not the hate, the, the full-on hate that you know, but it's more of a subtle thing where we categorize, where we pick sides, where we show favoritism and where we turn off our love. This is a really, 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 really big deal. Let's look at love in the Greek. Agape. And we know it. We know the word, guys. I know the word. I've heard it, agape, it's amazing, it's great, it's the Greek word for love, wow, amazing, but like, has it wrecked us and ruined us forever? Has it overwhelmed our hearts? Have we truly embraced and experienced the agape love of God? You know what it means, the agape love of God? It's an intentional, active, self-sacrificing love. That's what it means. So we've got hate that means to pick sides, to categorize, to, to choose where our love goes. And then we've got this agape word for love, which means an intentional, self-sacrificing, active love. This right here is the great challenge. And this right here is the greatest obstacles and the barriers to seeing heaven come to earth, to truly receiving and embracing the intentional, self-sacrificing, active love of the Father for us and having it transform us so much that, whatever, that what we have beheld, we have become and we actually become love and we start to model to believers, the church, the ministries, the people, the family, the friends, the, the work colleagues, the strangers. We get to model, we, 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 we have this opportunity to model um, and to love them 
not according to the, what we think love is like, but the way that Jesus has loved us. This is the great goal and this is the great obstacle to get this because unity is an important deal. Embracing diversity is a really, really big deal. We can't have heaven to earth unless we embrace diversity. The church cannot grow unless we embrace diversity. If we continue our life categorizing and picking sides, which is hate in the Greek, then we are constantly turning our love on and our love off. And Jesus never did it. And 1 John 2, 6 says that anyone who claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And it's not a harsh thing that, he's, that they're, they're strong with. It's not harsh. It's not condemning. It's an invitation to think, live and love like Jesus. John said, this is so big. John says, he, he, let's just sum up that John. Like if, if you say you love God and you hate your believer, you're a liar. Let's sum that up. The evidence, this is, this is me summing it up. The evidence of our love for God is proven by our love for people. I'll say that again. The evidence of our love for God is proven by our love for people. And, that's, and we've got to understand that the love word does not mean, yeah, of course I love them. The critical element to us loving people is demonstrating it. That's found in John 34, 35. You can clearly see it. The demonstrating part is the way that they know that we're his followers. So the demonstrating part is actually found in the word agape because it's an intentional, active, self-sacrificing love. It's not a passive love. So loving from afar and not doing anything ever to show it is not real love. Because agape is not passive. Agape is active. It's demonstrating. So the evidence of our love for God is actually proven by our active, intentional, self-sacrificing love for all people. I'm going to say that again. The true evidence of our love for God and the true evidence of where our relationship with God is at is proven by our intentional, active, self-sacrificing love put on display towards all people. Your love for people is the greatest evidence of how close you are to God. I mean, for me to just say that, it's just, oh man, it's so heavy. It's so challenging. Oh man, it's huge. But... I, I, like, I like that. I, I, I want clarity. Sometimes I like a good gentle slap in the face <laughs> or a little, a little kick here and there. But it's such a big deal, guys. Your love for people is the greatest. Your active, intentional, self-sacrificing love is the greatest evidence of how close you are to God. Eric Johnson says that um, what proves you're growing in the Lord is if you're growing in your love for people. The goal is oneness. The goal is unity. The goal is us getting along and it's not tolerance. It's active grace. It's actually this tenacious pursuit of we think so different, but I'm working so hard behind the scenes to love and treat you like Jesus did. 
and not to put on display in a false humility, weird way, but to fully be transformed by his love so that I can take that new commandment up and love you, to love them, to love those like Jesus has loved me. Not what I think love looks like, but what he has set the standard to be. And that love is not passive. It doesn't sit back from afar and just say, yeah, of course I love them. It's actually only true when it's intentional. It's only true when it's active. It's only true when it's self-sacrificing. Those three elements of the word agape are so enormous. Like, is your love active? Is my love active? Am I putting it on display? Am I demonstrating it? Is it self-sacrificing? Is my love for other people costing me something? Yeah, it's going to cost us something because when you think opposite to someone, when your goal has been disconnect and avoiding and creating distance between you and that person, when you actually take that to the Lord, it's going to cost you something. Like we're going to lay our lives down and say, you know what? I'm laying it down and I'm taking up your life and your love and allowing it to transform me. And then now I get to start to slowly love people like you did. But it's got to start here. We're growing and being transformed from the inside out. And it is going to cost us something. But I'll tell you what, the prize, like Paul said, let, let love be the beautiful prize in which you run for. Can we run after this church? Can we aggressively pursue him? Can we pursue love? Can we behold him? Because as we behold love, we actually become love. Can Echo Church be known as a church who have and are continually becoming love? I want to become love. I don't just want to be love. I don't want to do love. I don't want to be known for loving well. I want to be known for someone who has laid their life down, is self-sacrificing, is active and intentional in the pursuit of becoming love, becoming like God, becoming like the Father, becoming like Jesus and becoming like the Holy Spirit. Jesus, get them. Get them right now. Yep. We want this, Jesus. We want this, God. We want to love them the way that you have loved us. That's the commandment. That's the standard. That's the model. That's the goal. We want to see heaven come to earth. We want it to be genuine. We, when, we, when we pray for people, we want it to be from the motive of an active, intentional, self-sacrificing love where we have to pray, where we can't not pray when we hear of sad news or bad news or, or worrying news. But we actually, our love for people is so great because we've have, we have received his love for us that we, we just go on into war. Because love is motivating us. Love is our goal. Love is our prize. Love is the motivating factor for our life. It's self-sacrificing. It's intentional and it's active. Jesus, we love you so much. And as we move into the next four weeks of applying and stepping out and tools and practical help to communicate um, and, and to choose connection and what that looks like practically in the day-to-day and conversations, yeah, just continue to wreck us with your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.